Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. December the 17th. Where is the time going, Mike? Gino Bocola here, co-host on the Mike Abadir Show, alongside the main man, as always, Mike Abadir. We are into week 15 of the NFL. It just doesn't feel real. It's like a combination of this year feels like it's taken forever and and also flown by at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy that we're uh, approaching rapidly approaching the very end of 2020. Like you said, December 17th, Christmas right around the corner. And uh, yeah, we're getting really close to the very end of the regular season, the NFL. Interestingly enough, I had a couple of guys ask me uh, just on like social media and stuff. Where is the college football contest? The, the yearly contest you guys do. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? It's really crazy because the college bowl games as a whole, I think have totally taken on a new meaning of lost their luster it's maybe outside of like the new year's day games and stuff in fact you have more teams declining that that, that could have opportunities like ucla declined this week they said we're not gonna we're not even gonna participate in the bowl games virginia tech did a bunch of other schools did interesting stuff i haven't in this you know I, i haven't talked at all uh college football on on that's what g said either I've not watched one college football game other than the USC five games they played. <laughs> Six five. That's it. I've watched USC's games. That's it. I haven't. Wa- I have not watched one other game. Like not even caught another game in the middle of something. I, I don't know if it's. We kind of talked about it too. It's. I think because I was sort of reluctant when they started, and I wasn't sure that that college was going to be able to do what the professional leagues have done. Right. Built these these. Like really either bubble situations Or really really safe Like conditions For all of the players You know, Like the NFL players in a lot of cases Like they're in a much safer place In the locker You know in like in the locker room In the building than they are once they get out of the building Like those places have been You know like scraped clean Protocols all over the place It's just been a little different for college Like it's been, it's been hard for me to like want to handicap a game or get get excited about a game a day or two out, and then the morning of we find out that ten players on that team are going to be out because of COVID or uh, like how Pac-12 had three or four games changed like the day before this year. Like they were like the week schedule was set, and then on Friday one team couldn't travel, and then they would UCLA and Cal just decided they're going to play each other, which is cool. Like everybody's just trying to play, but it's kind of, it's been really hard to follow. Some teams have played five games. Other teams have played 10. Some have played, uh, got a bunch canceled. It's just been, it's, it's been sort of a mess to be honest. Oh, without a doubt, man. I mean, look, I've uh, watched less college football than um, I can ever remember dating back to however long I've watched specific players you know, I'll go look at certain players for obvious reasons, but in terms of like games beginning to end, uh, you know, maybe compelling matchups that I would have been interested in before. Um, it's it's kind of, I used the word lost its luster earlier. Imagine if any sport had like 200 rainouts in the first like two months of the season. 
right? And you get ready to watch that ball game, and then the umps call it off or the refs call it off. That's kind of what college football has been like. It's been decimated by, you know, injuries, COVID positives, uh, teams having to cancel, uh, inconsistent protocols between the sure. different conferences. Different conferences. And then you even have like areas. Coach K, you know, Mike Krzyzewski made some interesting points and he was like, I don't even know who is the point man on this stuff. Who runs college basketball? He's like, seriously, guys, who runs college basketball? If I had to go to somebody and give it, you know what I mean? It's like, so, and he's like, and, and that goes the same for teams and other conferences, which is kind of funny because it got like some of the rival coaches to be like, well, that's just because Duke's off the rough star. So that's why they're saying maybe we should just shut it down and figure out how to get this thing right. And who knows who's right and who's wrong. The bottom line is college sports, college athletic departments have been decimated by this pandemic. Yeah. Absolutely decimated. And who knows how it's going to look after we come out of this, which is an interesting segue, I think, to probably the first major topic that we'll maybe spend a minute or two on, which is the college football playoff rankings. And there's been a lot of controversy about um, teams that are unbeaten, that are left off, but from maybe smaller conferences versus teams that have a loss already. It's the same stuff that we hear debated all the time, except there's one big difference this year, I think, Gino, which is this. Typically, you want to combine two interests, which is to get the best matchup that the fans want to be most fair and to be most fair to the teams, right? Now, when they say best matchup for the fans to watch, that typically means what's going to make us the most money. What's going to be sure the matchup that brings in the most ratings. Who's who cares? Ratings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. This year, I think they're just strictly going to kick to the curb. What's most fair to the teams and reward the teams. And they're only going to focus on, which matchup is going to make us the most 100%. Money. Totally agree. And I don't I can't say that I fault them. No. It, it just it sort of stinks for a lot of the other teams, right? Of that just course. feel like How about like Cincinnati 8 and 0? What were we or, really playing you know, for? Coastal I mean, Carolina is 11 and 0. Let's be honest, I don't think USC is a deserving team at all. They've been like they could have lost 3 of their games and be 2 and 3 instead of 5 and 0. But it it does not it's not cool when you're when you're like what what I mean we beat everybody that we had to play. What else do you want us to do? Well, and when they get to six and zero, you know, and if there's a couple teams that lose, they're gonna leapfrog a bunch of teams. I know, and and that then they're gonna be right on the outside looking in <laughs> yeah. and again. They don't deserve, but so how do you? That's what's so difficult. Like how does a six and zero USC team stack up against a nine and two Clemson team? Let's say they lose again. Like what you know? I, but you want to get Trevor Lawrence in there. Right, you know, and you know what? That's why I say I think I think the easiest thing to do is just get the juiciest matchup, and really pray that they win win out, you know, or or at least are super competitive in the uh, you know conference championships and stuff. Maybe lose by a point or something like that. But I mean, look, you know, Ohio State has the same record as USC. Yeah. So I mean, it's the same argument there. Even though Ohio State has blown out teams, who have they played? Right, so it's, I don't know. I mean, how can you put a, a five and really team is. in there over a team that's run the table and played three or four more games? That's significant, right? I and mean, not that's to thirty percent of your schedule more 
has been not just played, but won. Not to get too far off the topic, but it's related. It's like, I, you know, if you've noticed any college basketball stuff, the same thing's been happening now. USC just had to shut down their their program for like two or three games at least. Um, and every day, uh, the sh- some shows that I listen to, I listen to other gambling shows and other shows that cover all sports, and they'll give out games or they'll give it, and they'll every day they'll be upset because there'll be three other games that got canceled, or there'll be a game where four players are missing from a team and they only have eight players on their bench, you know, total. And it's just, it's hard. Like I, I haven't been able to get into the college, I've, and I've been completely able to get into NFL, NBA, baseball. I guess in the sense that. It's pros, like I said, it's pros They're making a lot of money And they're in situations That are really safe And really well taken care of And just, unfortunately The the smaller college That doesn't have as big of a budget As the Alabama Who, even Alabama has had issues With their coach and, you know, and coach and, and things like that Like, there's no way in, in college sports with the amount of schools and, and just not the kind of money that the professionals have that they could have the kind of protocols needed to to not deal with all this stuff. Unfortunately, we we knew it and it's been happening and this is what's going to happen. We're going to have a college football playoff where we're going to have uh, or, and bowl games where you're having teams that played five games or six games against teams that played 10 teams that are going to be like three and three or three and four in bowl. It's just going to be bizarre. So this all came down, came sort of came back to like why we weren't having a, a contest. It would just be really hard, right? It would end up, we'd have to end up doing so many things about like, at least in a situation like that, if you're playing in a pool, ESPN will like do all the scoring for you, but I don't know. It just would be, I, I'd much rather and do not just that, Gino, but I don't think that there's, there's outside of the diehards, I didn't necessarily feel, and this is, with all due respect to the the people that hit me up, I don't feel that there was going to be great interest in something like this this year. I didn't have almost. I, I mean, same thing. I probably had a few people say, "Oh, you don't talk a whole lot of college football on your show," and which is amazing because, like, we on this show, on on me on on that's what G said, talk about. Everything like I talk about, I'm recapping Selena and you know, like I mean, TV shows. And oh stuff, yeah, and well, just, in years past, we've also had college football coaches. We've had beat writers, you know, for even LSU or oh my gosh, you know, we talked to players during the season. I'd be crowing about it all over the place. I'd so be, I mean, with, um, I, look, I love college football, and it's the lifeblood of my business. Um, I I still pay attention to certain players. But even with that, I've had to scale things down because it's very, very tricky as an agent. Do you know when I'm looking to recruit somebody, typically you land the player, you know, you sign him, you get him ready for the combine and for the pro day, you set him up with a rental car, meal plan, training, maybe even some yoga or some uh, massage therapy. We're fronting all this. Yeah. Let me change that. We're Investing. we're not recouping. We're, it's not like a, a loan. We're paying this to have the right to represent that player. Absolutely. So it's very difficult to do that right now when you don't know if there's even going to be a combine this year. There is definitely not going to be pro days once again. So, but the player wants it. The player wants all that stuff because he doesn't know for sure one way or another. So he's got to be ready. So for me, it's kind of like. I don't know, man. Kind of don't feel like shelling out fifteen, twenty thousand bucks, and, and then have it be all for nothing. You know what I mean? So yeah. 
it's 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 a really just it's tricky for a lot of people all the way around in this industry and um you know i think that kind of goes back to maybe my i don't want to say lack of interest but my lessened interest in college football this year aside from a few key players the the Um, lakers won a title the dodgers won a title the USC Trojans are 5-0 and right now. I would be the most miserable person to deal with normally if this season, like if I cared about this season, more miserable than I already am to deal with. You know, well, like, I, have a, I have a suggestion because I know that the uh, the bigwigs for the college football playoffs are, are listening to you and I debate this. So uh, whoever is out there that's going to make the final decision for college football playoff, hear me out here. So we have this this dilemma where you have these teams that haven't lost yet. They're from big programs like USC and Ohio state, et cetera. My thought was since they haven't had an opportunity to play as many games. And by the time they get to the new year, they will for sure have played you're going here. And I like it. Four, why not? Five games, right? Why don't we look every other sport has modified their playoffs, right? So why don't we have a play in game where, you have USC play against Ohio State. This whole season's been modified. I was literally right? saying. So why not have a play in game? Changing their schedule then, the day before. Of course, this should yeah, be like play in game for one of these for, for these teams that have played absolutely. less games. Take the best four of these five and zero, six and zero teams. I mean, Indiana six and one, USC's five and zero. There's Cincinnati plenty of them that have played shot. less than seven games. Whereas Alabama and Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina's been good. Games. They deserve a shot in the mix. They've played eleven games and they played some like good, good. So, games. Go, so have three teams solidify their spot, right? This Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson, not? for example. Why and then not? you have the play a play in game for the last one? Makes, why? Why, why wouldn't you do that? You get some great ratings. You'll get some buzz. Why not do this right now? Everything's been being tweaked and been altered as it is. Just say, hey, you know what? Can you imagine the like the goodwill or just how people would sort of turn towards the NCAA college football if they said, hey, you know what? We we want to give a couple other teams an opportunity. If they just worded it and framed it that way and said, sure. hey, we, we feel like there are a couple teams that because of this season didn't get their opportunity to make it into the college football playoff. So we're going to have a situation where, um, you know, there's going to be four teams that get an opportunity to make one spot. You know, yeah, how, about, how about this? How about this? You keep Ohio State and USC because they're the sexier programs on different sides of the bracket. And it just a couple of games here, right? So yeah. you go, how about USC? Let's see here. Against Coastal Carolina, 11-0. and Ohio State, And then Cincinnati. Ohio State against Cincinnati. There you go. The winners of these two teams, obviously, you know, the, the money guys are hoping USC and Ohio State makes it. Odds are at least one, if not both, will make it. But you give the Coastal Carolina guys a shot to take down to slay the dragon, and it, you had Coastal Carolina against Ohio State, me against the world. We've seen it in college basketball and March Madness all the time. Crazy things happen. Or conversely, SC against Cincinnati, right? Um, and that would, and that's the playoff game, play-in game. I love it. Now you add two more games to these teams' schedules, so by the time they get there, after they played their college, uh, their conference championships, that'd be game number six, seven, eight. So now they're entering in there with eight. They'd have to be eight. Much more comparable. Much yeah, they'd more have to be eight no to advance at that point because it means they had to run the table to get there. Absolutely, I like. And I mean, you go. This is the time we've seen it in all sports now to think a little bit outside the box, and this that would be something that would bring interest in 
from people like you and I who weren't really interested even all throughout the year going, oh, okay, you know what? This is at least sort of fair now because everybody's been dealt a different hand this season. I mean, we're talking about teams that started months ago and other teams that have just had five or six games. So uh, this would sort of even the playing field for a lot of these teams and say, hey, you know what? There were actually eight teams this year or however it ended up being, you know, six or eight teams that actually had an opportunity to make to, to play their way in. We wanted to give them a chance that, that would I would love it. I think the NFL would love it, too, and I think the players would absolutely love it. But from an NFL perspective, consider this. Let's just say you play for one of these teams that is uh, five of them or that's only played five games. Let's just say because of uh you know, COVID protocols. Maybe you didn't even have COVID, but maybe you were in close contact with somebody. So you weren't allowed to play, let's just say, in two or three games. And they've only played five. And the first game of the season, you were not really in the starting rotation or not getting that many reps. But by game five or game six, you are. But you've only played maybe a game and a half in its entirety, and boom, your season's over. Well, you have one more game, and your season's over, or something like that. I mean, that doesn't give the NFL a lot of opportunity to be able to evaluate evaluate that player. And the player wants to get evaluated. It's why he went to USC in the first place. That's why you go to Alabama or Oklahoma, right, is to have a shot to play in the NFL. It's everybody's dream. And so that's secondary. You know, it's kind of down the list in terms of priorities in, in the world, in the whole scheme of things. But I think within the realm of college football, it does carry some importance. Within the NFL, it does carry some importance. And that's the kind of the big bummer is that a lot of players are going to be overlooked. There's going to be a, a shortage of really quality evaluations heading into the draft. I don't know, man. We may have the most inconsistent draft class ever. Inconsistent meaning, you know, you're always going to have the top level players that, that make it. That's for sure. But you're going to have probably more busts than ever before. Oh, people are going to be swinging and missing left and right. Oh, yeah. There's just lo- there's no information, the, like in in situations like this, it's like you, either you have the most information you have about someone, the most sample size is is the best for anyone that's doing you know any sort any type of like research on them. And now there's just going to be less film, less like high level uh competition quality against high level players where you can see how they would match up. It's just going to be so difficult. Oh yeah, I'm going to make a prediction. There's going to be 12 players to 15 players drafted from like Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, just because people Oklahoma and maybe like SC or something. Yeah, yep. because it's like, hey, we we know that those guys were all like five star, four star recruits. These guys were the best of the best, and uh, you know we don't know about the kid at you know Louisiana Monroe. If like Belichick right. I mean, loves to take people from those places, like he might be in great shape here if he's able to just do a little bit more work, you know. Like whoever's whoever's just going to be willing to 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 do a little more to find out could find it uh, a diamond in the rough. But the problem is, is you're just taking such a swing on anyone, you know. It's yeah. just such a shot. Yeah, no doubt, man. So let's take a quick commercial break, Gino, and we'll come back and uh, transition this to the football of a paid variety. The NFL. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. 
The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. NFL Week 15, and this is generally the time when uh, wives and husbands start getting into all sorts of fights because... We don't have any more buys. We have a, a Thursday football game that's going to be coming up in just about an hour. We have two Saturday football games. We have 12 Sunday football games and a Monday football game. So, uh, And even Friday, yeah. Christmas Day. And then you get Friday coming up this day, Christmas Day coming up this week. So, uh, yeah, within the next week, yeah, we basically have every day of the, of the week covered here with the NFL. But what's interesting about this week, Mike, there was only one game on the slate between teams with a winning record, but almost every single game is important and matters. I mean, going through them, I mean, Vikings Bears, the loser in that game is done. The winner gets to seven and seven and is going to be right in the mix still to get in the playoffs. Uh, Seattle and Washington. I mean, Washington needs to win to stay in the mix. Seattle is trying to, to win the division there. Arizona, Philly. Zona needs to keep winning to stay alive. Philly has an outside shot to, to get in by winning their division there. The Packers are battling for the one seed. The Ravens have to keep winning. The Dolphins have to keep winning. The, you know, all of those, the, the Raiders, Titans, Colts, they're all in a really, really tight A. FC right there they have to keep winning to to continue on the Rams are trying to win their division KC and New Orleans are battling for the one seed and for buys we got a Cleveland Giants game on Sunday night football with both of these teams still with a legitimate shot to make the playoffs Cleveland's going for their 10th win coming off a, a game where they actually looked really good losing and Pittsburgh is still trying to battle for the top seed there and trying to win the division so just one game where you look at and you go wow okay this is a uh, Saints Versus the Chiefs here, but every game has a lot of importance at this time of the year. Yeah, and, and boy, what a game that you know projects to be. That could be a, a, a Super Bowl preview there. Chiefs, uh, Chiefs, and I combined it. Chiefs, you did. Uh, Chiefs and Saints. <laughs> you, <did. laughs> uh, the, you know, these look like the best teams in each respective conference. Uh, definitely right up there at the very least. Um, so I'm looking forward to that matchup. I mean, I think any fan of the NFL likes to see at this time of the year, 
double-digit win teams go up against each other. And, uh, you know, we only have three in the AFC and two in the NFC. So two out of the five in the entire NFL are going up against each other this weekend. And it does have major seeding importance, that's for sure, even though they're not within their the same conference. Um, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to that game. But like you mentioned, just about every single game means something to somebody. Yep. I don't know if there's even any game that's completely meaningless. And then, hey, in week week 15, that's pretty cool that we have that. So have you had a chance to look at, if the season ended today, the matchups? Yeah, and there's there's some good ones. There are some really good there ones. There are some really good ones. Let's quickly just uh, walk through like the NFC playoff matchups where you have... Uh, so just in case people out there don't exactly know how it works, you're going to have seven playoff teams. The one seed gets a bye, which means you're now going to go two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. Yep. So in the NFC, that would look like this. Cardinals and Saints... That sounds like a really fun game. Yep. Breeze is back. That could be a nice little shootout. You know, the uh, future of uh, football versus the future Hall of Famer. The Bucks and the Rams. Rematch. Rams beat them earlier Rams this year. The first one. Yep. And the uh, Seahawks and Washington football team, right? Uh, which we'll get a preview of this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so kind of sounds it, like a boring game, but I'll tell you what, man. Defensive line versus a not great oh, yeah. offensive line of Seattle. Like they, their strength of Washington, their defense, man, Chase Young proof. They, they can, like, they have the type of defense that can score defensively and keep you in any game. For sure. You know what it reminds me of? This reminds me of Pete Carroll's first year in Seattle. When they were, where they were seven and nine, and they made the playoffs, and, and they, won. they made the playoffs, and it was a huge upset. That was the big rumble tumble game by Marshawn, right? And uh, and and they won fairly handedly against the Saints. Yep, you know it was like they kind of laid the laid the uh, can of whoop ass on them. You know, now the I only see that happening again, even though I think Seattle's a much better team. I but with that agree. defense, and if Gibson's healthy and they've got that running game going, that's the key. If they, I think for Washington, th- this is why they may be in trouble this week. And if they were able to get everyone healthy come playoff time, I think their defense would be capable of of upsetting a lot of these teams. But if they don't have Gibson, and I, I just think I feel like Alex Smith has really been their best quarterback this year. He's just he doesn't he's not flashy. You're not going to confuse him with someone, you know, that's like Patrick Mahomes, but he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And he's just a guy who's been there. He's a smart player. You know, we forget he's logged a lot of minutes and he just knows he knows how to to play smart football. And I don't think we'll see. We'll see what Haskins gives you this week. Uh, but I, I think without him, they I don't know how high their ceiling would be. I agree with that. They kind of they kind of need that quarterback like the Ravens had the the Dilfer right or was it yeah it was uh like or uh, you know that you need the, the 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 someone who's just gonna uh uh you know be the well, manager like Brad Johnson with the, with the Buccaneers it was Trent Dilfer with the Ravens you know somebody just be a game manager to not make mistakes to let the defense and the strength of the team take over hey, and check make down it happen the for them. all he needs to do is set up you know maybe four or five scoring plays. You know, yep. maybe a couple of field goals, a couple of touchdowns, 
get them to 20, 21 points. Hope the defense can shut down your opponent. Maybe you get some rain in, in, in Seattle or something. Clock you running, know? I mean, good field position. Don't yeah. take a bad sack or two here. You know, throw the ball away. Just things like that. And so with, without that, they may be in a little trouble. The, the only thing is, is that like their main right, like opponent right now, as far as winning the division, the Giants, they also are having massive quarterback issues because the Giants had uh, Daniel Jones, who was banged up last week, but they decided to bring him back and he may have even injured himself worse. He looked horrible last horrible. week, as bad as you could possibly look. He was tear. I mean, it was, he did not look healthy or, or like he should have been on the field. So now, you know, does that hurt them long-term? Because same thing for them. Colt McCoy may like Colt McCoy at least is better than a hurt Daniel Jones, but they need a healthy Daniel Jones to give them the opportunity to maybe beat somebody in the playoffs. So these two teams who could win the division now aren't in great shape with their quarterbacks. No, they're not. And the thing is, when you're talking about Colt McCoy, the one advantage he would have over whoever is a quarterback for Washington. And I know McLaren's a good wide receiver, but the giants have a very good defense like Washington does, but they also have the advantage of having some veteran wide receivers, Ingram. three or four really good veteran wide receivers, uh, Sterling Shepard and Slayton and uh, Golden Tate, etc. So that helps when you have a lesser quarterback and you can get that short passing game going. You got that possession receiver who could convert some third downs for you, yep. kill the any defensive momentum that the opponent tries to generate. It sticks a dagger in them. And I don't know how they're doing it, man, but they're running the ball really effectively with Gallman. So, you know, the Giants have a cool little thing going. But, uh, you know, I think for whatever reason, I think Washington could go farther with that Gibson-McKissick-Barber trio of backs. Yeah, and so Any one of them by themselves or showcased, or I guess if, they're, if any of them are playing without Gibson, they're less effective. I think if Gibson's there, it's kind of like that thunder and lightning type combination that they talk about with running backs. And I think that could keep teams off guard and could open up the passing game for whoever's quarterback there. So very intriguing nonetheless in the NFC, you know? Yeah, and uh, on the outside looking in right now, you have the Vikings and the Bears. They're both six and seven. They're one game behind Arizona. So Arizona has to keep pace. Like they can't, you know, just take it easy and coast right now because whoever wins that and they play each other. So one of those teams is going to be seven and seven unless they tie. And the other one will end up being six and eight and being out of playoff contention now. So big week for Arizona because that Minnesota and the bears both aren't losing, right? One of those teams is still going to be right on their heels. Yeah. And look, I think from a uh, momentum standpoint, Arizona had lost three in a row. They won. wasn't necessarily pretty against the Giants, but they did they get the W on the road. But you don't want to go back and lose again and have lost four out of five. Nope. And I think Kyler from a momentous looked- perspective, you want to go into the playoffs winning. You know, they won last week, like I said. You want to win these next three or at least two out of three so that you could say you won three out of the four heading into the playoffs. I think that's really, really important. The other thing, too, is typically speaking – a 10-win season gets you into the playoffs. That should be the same thing this year. It should get them a playoff spot. They should. They do control their own destiny, I believe. And uh, 10 wins looks a lot better than nine wins. And I know that means, like, who cares? Once you go into the playoffs, you're all 0-0, zero and zero, which is true. But like I said, it would have meant that you ran the table, won your final four games, 
And typically teams that are kind of underdogs that make a deep run in the playoffs are hot in December. Uh, so Arizona trying to hold off uh, a couple uh, of teams who want to leapfrog them for that final playoff spot over on the AFC side. Uh, I think, I mean, the teams on the outside looking in are much better, in my opinion. You know, I think you could actually go even 10 deep with the Patriots as a team that I don't think is good, but they're capable of beating everybody in a one-game situation. And, and so, you know, you look at the well, Raiders. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the first two teams in, in the outskirts are Baltimore and, uh, and the Raiders. Raiders. You're talking about yeah. an eight-win team and a seven-win team. That's pretty exciting. You want to set up the, the playoff matchups real quick? Yeah, so KC is the one seed right now. So they've got the bye on the AFC side. Uh, Pittsburgh has now lost two in a row. They've dropped down to the two seed. So they would be playing the Miami Dolphins in the first round. The Bills are the three seed. They would be playing the Colts. And we'd get a 4-5 rematch of a game uh, just a few weeks ago where the Browns beat up the Titans. That would be the 4-5 matchup right now. So even after beating the Browns, the Ravens are still on the outside looking in. The Raiders are one game behind them at seven and six. So those two teams in the eight and the nine spot, they really have to try to win out. They, they and really those do. matchups that you just set up are all fantastic. Oh, incredible! I, I mean, who an old AFC matchup from the seventies? Legendary Dolphins, Chuck Knoll of the Steelers, uh, Don Shula of the Dolphins. I don't know when's the last time these two teams matched up in the playoffs. Off the top of my head, I think it was nineteen eighty four. When uh, the Dolphins beat Pittsburgh to get to the Super Bowl, where Marino faced Joe Montana for the first and last time, unfortunately, uh, I don't remember recall if they've played each other since then. It's so this is a pretty game. legendary matchup. Yeah, I mean, think about some of the AFC matchups sometimes that are like they usually have the like one of the AFC wild card games on Saturday early in the day because it's not that exciting and it's usually like the Texans. One year it was the Texans. When, with without and they were I think I can't remember who was starting for them it was like their third string starting their quarterback a third string quarterback against the Raiders without Carr when Carr yeah. got banged up yep. you usually get like one or two AFC games that's just bad all of these are great this is no a stinkers. strong one through ten no stinkers not no. not not at all and I think they're they're good matchups because they're very competitive you know I think from a point spread perspective you know maybe the Steelers and the Dolphins would have the widest gap, perhaps, but um, the Steelers are are kind of uh, not as dominant looking. They're they reeling a little the bit. The running game is kind of reeling. Yep. You know, and and that's hurt their passing game. They're not passing as effectively as before. Uh, you know, but man, Colts Colts could beat the Bills. Bills could beat the Colts. You know, same thing with Cleveland and and Tennessee. I think any one of these three games. Has a upset potential, and uh, we will have an NFL playoff contest, and I will be picking some upsets. Um, before we get into the other games on the weekend, there's one that's coming up in just a little bit, and it's big in one way. The Raiders just have to win if they want to stay alive. It looks like they're going to have to get to at, at ten wins at, at the very least, nine, and some weird things could happen for them, but they have to win. You know, out if they want to have an, any chance of making the playoffs. So tonight, big game playing against the Chargers. Um, you know, a rivalry game. And a few weeks ago, Mike, we would have said, "Oh, no doubt about it, the Raiders are going to beat the Chargers." Absolutely. In the last few weeks, not only have they like they've lost a couple games, 
they just have not looked good really at all. Even when they beat the Jets, they didn't look good. They they've had some issues. I don't know if you heard the whole Josh Jacobs thing, what he did with with the fantasy stuff. That that kind of pissed a lot of people off too. But uh, what do you think about the Raiders? Do they have uh, any any shot here to win out and and maybe grab a playoff spot? Well, first of all, I did not hear about the Josh Jacobs thing, so maybe you could kind of share that with us uh, for a quick minute. But in terms of the Raiders, they have a head-to-head matchup with Miami still. So anytime you are you have a head-to-head matchup with somebody you're trying to leapfrog, you're automatically going to get that tiebreaker win if you win. So, yeah, I mean, they're really going to have to win out. Which is capable. I mean, they could totally beat the Chargers, the Dolphins at home, and then the Broncos. There's there's no reason why they can't win those three games. No, there's no reason why they can't. Unfortunately, they're probably going to win two out of three and finish nine and seven. And like you said, some a lot of crazy stuff is going to have to happen. Uh, they do have a head-to-head advantage over the Browns. They lose the head-to-head against the Colts. They control their destiny in the head-to-head with the Dolphins. So those are the next uh, what, three, four, five teams that are ahead of them. So they, they have some things going their way. Yep. That Colts game really hurt them, though. Yeah. They win that Colts game. They're sitting pretty, especially because they have the head-to-head over them, and they have one more win in the win column. Now, even if they go two out of three, they're probably okay. So I don't know, Gino. I think I think the Dolphins right now are a more well-rounded team. You know, we'll see. We'll see come next week. But as of right now, I, I would probably take the Dolphins to win that game straight up against the Raiders. So just a, a little heads up on what happened. So I guess Josh Jacobs, um, like most uh, players nowadays, get a lot of tweets and posts from people who give him, you know, f- fantasy stuff. Oh, you know, fantasy this or that. You didn't. I lost because you didn't score enough. You know. So a lot of the players, they don't like it. But the one, but. You know, keep in mind that it draws interest and there's people watching and ratings and millions of dollars. More people care because of things like fantasy and because of the big industry. So on Sunday, early in the morning, he uh, they uh, I think on Saturday, Schefter had said he's going to play. So the report was Josh Jacobs is going to play on Sunday morning. He posted on his Instagram that he was not going to play. Uh, and he said something like, sorry to all the fantasy players out there and then it and like if you followed the instagram story all the way to the very bottom and we're like looking at it in a magnifying glass he had like a middle finger on there and so like a middle finger to all you fantasy players so it was like you know matthew barry who's the big espn fantasy analyst sent that out early sunday morning and said hey everyone i just want you to know like this was on his instagram we're assuming he's gonna play because he's been reported that he's going to play but players have actually broken news before when where they haven't you know where they said they were injured and and they end up not playing but he was just screwing with everyone which i mean that bothers me a little bit that sucks you know like i completely understand hating it when people must come to you and give you fantasy crap when all you're worried about is winning your game but to to go out of your way to try to clown people and troll them, you know, like that's different than even responding to someone who's talking trash to you. Like you, you, he was trying to, to, to screw with some people there. I, I, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. You know, um, look, if he was my client, I would have a, a an important sit down in short. I think the player has to understand that, you know what? Maybe fantasy football is a little bit geeky to you. Sure. Maybe it's really annoying to you. 
But I'll tell you what, because of fantasy football, ratings have gone through the roof. Because of gambling plus fantasy football, it's the reason that people tune in on Thursdays. It's the reason why a lot of people probably know about you. (laughs) Exactly. You're not on a team that's a You wouldn't have the contract. Yeah, exactly. Look, you wouldn't... The TV deals wouldn't be worth as much without these products, without these games, games as in fantasy games and and parlays and things of that nature. And that's only going to get bigger. It's only going to expand. You're getting paid what you're getting paid because of that. These TV deals generate a ton of money. Every time they're up for rebidding, they go up more and more and more, more and more fantasy Teams are out there than ever before. Sites are popping up than ever before. Yeah. I mean, and so that's the thing that that I would really emphasize if it was my client and be like, hey, so because of that, respect it. View it no differently than a fan who has bought a ticket to the game, Absolutely. right? Because they spent $100 on a fantasy team versus $100 on a ticket to go to the game. I want If this is my client, I'd say, I want you to view it in the exact same way and respect it. And and that was, you know, he ended up playing and I think he only had like 10 points or so, but what, what made it even a little, it was the first week of the fantasy playoffs for a lot of people, you know, and, and Josh Jacobs was a high pick for a lot of people and he had just been out before. So we really didn't know if he was going to play or not. There was a lot of question, a lot of confusion about that. And so, you know, you're going into that, go, wow, if he doesn't play or if he, you know, do I, you just started thinking a lot, which, uh, yeah, which is a little, a little bit frustrating. I completely agree with you in that. I think if you, if you framed it to the sense of, Hey, you know, Josh, like this is a big deal. It really is. And you may not like it. You may think it's goofy, but you don't really want to disrespect that whole, you know, fan base. Like that's a big fan base. A lot of people play fantasy football nowadays, you know? Yeah. He, look, he, he may have thought he was being funny. Yep. Right. Uh, I don't know if he was entirely meaning to bust balls or not. Um, maybe a little bit of both, especially when you say that the uh, finger was involved. But you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I think you want you want him to and all the players to to learn to respect that. On the flip side, you client may not get the same respect in return from those exact same fantasy players. I'm asking you to respect. You may get shit on big time when you don't produce enough points for somebody to win their game. Your commitment to the team and what you do for the team to win games is very different than what you do to win games for these fans. So I don't want you to to be bothered by that hostility. The respect is a one-way street, unfortunately. You hope for better from the fans, but you got to expect that it's going to be a one-way street and anything better than that is golden. It's like, hey, stupid people out there too, like don't tag a player. If you want to rant about a player and like, hey, so and so, I lost my fantasy. Like, don't tag them in it. They don't need to see that in their notifications. No, they don't give a hoot. I know, about you that. know, but it's just and and they've got the thick skin. But that's the point. Like, it's a two way street, right? I want I want some respect from the player, so I'm gonna give a little respect to them too. And like, I'll whine and moan and complain, but like, I'm not gonna go like. Jake, get them up all like they're like the people that do it. The ones that bother me is like when Nick Chubb kneels down before the one and doesn't score, like doing something that's so good for his team, and people are mad because it hurt their fantasy team. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. that's a smart move. And, it is a smart uh, I think, move. I think a smart move for us is probably to take our final commercial break. Let's do it. We'll be back and give out our week fifteen picks. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Closing segment, we're going to give out our uh, thoughts on the NFL Week 15 slate. A couple plays for me and for Mike. Um... So I went 1-0 last week. I gave out uh, the Bears to uh, win straight up, and they made me look good, fortunately for me, because I was very hesitant to take the Chicago Bears because they're not a very good football team. And that puts me at 5-2 and two since the week before Thanksgiving. Nice little run here. Uh, what about you, Gino? Yeah, uh, we had a... Man, I had another really good week. Uh, the last, like, It's funny, most of this year was... Like battling back and forth between 500 The last three or four weeks have been I think if you're like I gave out a few here And a couple on that's what G said I only had one loser It was like five and one uh, overall And the last like few weeks have been something like In the 20 to 23 and 4 Range so I I don't even like strong. I don't like talking about it even anymore Because it's like every time I mention it Then it then it's a bad week that comes up So I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like trying to like Just like quietly minimize it from week to good week to good week and yeah. like keep it under the radar. But uh, this week I got a few that I'm looking at now. A couple numbers that I'm I'm sort of waiting for. But the first game is Denver. Now I don't know if if this game I, I'm only gonna play it if I can find seven. Uh, there were six and a half out there earlier in the week. They're playing Buffalo. Buffalo is now a six to six and a half point favorite. If this gets to seven, I would play Denver plus the seven at home. I think their defense is good enough. To keep them close in this game And what what happens with Buffalo right They're good I think they're a very good team But with Buffalo right now we just saw them uh, Beat up the Steelers In a primetime game prior to that We saw them beat up the 49ers in a primetime game They're basically like valued As high as possible right now They're, they're, they're at their highest peak And you look at uh, them coming into this game This would probably be more like a Four, five on the road at Denver in a tough place to play. So I think Denver has a shot at plus seven. Uh, if we can get it up to plus seven to keep this game close enough and maybe have a Buffalo win by a field goal, that'd be my first one. First and only. No, I got I got a couple more. Oh, I'll keep uh, going. Okay, like we'll go. Uh, Vikings Bears over forty seven. Mm. The the Bears with Trubisky. I, I don't play a whole ton of over unders as much. Just the way that I handicap more is more a little bit more so to the spots and the teams versus the total of points. But just to go through what what uh, the Bears have been doing recently. So under Mitch Trubisky, the last three games, two hundred forty yards passing uh, at least in each of those games. David Montgomery last three games, eleven carries, hundred three yards plus forty yards receiving. Seventeen carries, seventy two yards. 39 yards receiving, 11 carries, 113 yards, 42 yards receiving. They scored a lot of points the last couple weeks. 
The Vikings last week, they left 10 points on the board, three missed field goals and an extra point. The Vikings secondary is not great either. So I think the the wide receivers for the Bears with Trubisky, they can pick on them a little bit. I think these teams will go up and down on each other more. 47 is low to me, so I'm going over uh, the, the 47 in there. Um, hey, real like- quickly, if, if 2020 has told us anything about the Bears, it's not necessarily that they've got this world-beating kind of defense. It's not that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback of the future because he's not for that team. But I'll tell you what, man, their top end playmakers are a lot better than I. Me too. Gave them credit for going Montgomery into Montgomery, especially. Yeah. The last four. They're a lot games. better than I thought they were, man. And Allen Robinson is a legit number one. Komet is not bad to uh, their young tight end. So I think th- I think they'll be able to score. Both of these teams go back and forth. I'm I'm thinking about one that I'm, I'm, I might be playing the Patriots money line in here. I think this might be a good spot for the Patriots to try to get a little revenge on the Dolphins. Remember, the Dolphins were able to spoil the season for the Patriots last year, and they were able to screw them out of getting a bye. And that may have been what sort of Cause the the leaving of Tom Brady at the end with the coaching staffs that know each other. I think the Dolphins uh, came into this game and and play a Pats team who would love to do nothing more than maybe spoil this. So I'm I'm looking at maybe playing the Pats money line. This game is really close. It's like one one and a half two point spread. The Dolphins are a slight favorite here in this one. Uh, two more I'm looking at in. The Dallas 49ers game, I think this is a, like a massive coaching mismatch as far as the Dallas defense with Nolan. They're terrible. Dallas is looking good because they came off of a big win against the Bengals. The Bengals are hor- horrible. They're the worst team in the league right now without Burrow. They cannot move the ball at all. I think the 49ers are still going to be able to move the ball against Dallas, even with some of their injuries. So if this is anything three or under, I'd play the 49ers on the road. And then my final game... Um, I, I, I'm thinking about Philly And it's the same type of thing If I can get plus 7 on Philly That game is a little less than that right now It's like in the 6, 6.5 range Because with Jalen Hurts There's not enough of a sample size out there on us For us to really get a true like number of, of how good he is with this Philly team He might not be that good But I think there's enough of a wild card X factor in it now Seeing the way he played last week I don't think he played incredible But He's so much better for this Philly team that has a bad line. He doesn't get sacked as much. He can move around, and you just don't get dead plays. Didn't turn the ball over a ton. So I think Philly's got a, a little bit of a shot here to at least keep this game close. All good stuff, man. Good logic. I uh, I get what you're saying about all these games. I think the one where I, I, I hadn't decided to pull the trigger, but the one where we kind of differ on is the Patriots and the Dolphins. The reason why I haven't have, I'm having a tough time pulling the trigger on it is because that line is really fishy to me. I'm At just, home for the Dolphins, you know, they've played better football throughout the year. Really the the Patriots, you know, people were like, "Oh, they're hot or whatever," but they had a great special teams performance against the Chargers. I don't know if they if I would necessarily call them hot. Belichick's coaching is going to outcoach some teams and be able to get some wins. And you you mentioned the revenge factor, but there's also a revenge factor within this season because the before the Dolphins were good, quote unquote, they uh, the Patriots won in a in a fairly tight game. The score I think was a little bit bigger it's than, uh, than what reflected on the field. And so the, um, I think the the money you'd, you'd is be moving. having the Patriots sweep, Gino. Yeah, I think the money is moving because. 
Gasecki's got a shoulder injury Devontae Parker is out Guard Eric Flowers is out The Dolphins are also missing two linebackers And a safety all could be banged up They don't I mean I think they're going to get No running backs yeah they might be getting Brita back But he hasn't looked great so They're they're pretty banged up and to be honest Tua had some moments Last week but They got four turnovers And made Kansas City punt four Times and they still Lost pretty handily I mean they were able to get a late score to cover that game But it wasn't that close Even getting the benefit Like who has Kansas City punt four times And gets four turnovers against them In any game and loses I'm not sold on Tua If Fitzpatrick was playing I would not play this game at all I think Fitzpatrick with this Miami team is good I'm just still not sold on Tua You and I both Totally agree with you on that so that game aside, um, it's a lean for me on the Dolphins because sure. I just don't think the Patriots are going to sweep them. Yeah, and you like the Dolphins. Uh, You're higher on the uh, Dolphins. Yeah, I don't like the yeah. Dolphins. Uh, and I like what they've done, and I think their defense is uh, – it, it may be uh, – maybe there's a good underplay. I don't know, 42. Right. Uh, might be a low-scoring game. be scoring either way. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So the two games I am going to play, though, I'm going to touch one game that you touched, but for a different reason. You took the uh, high-scoring, high-flying Bears and Vikings game. I think the Vikings are going to – be seven and seven after this week, and I think the Bears are going to be six and eight. So I'll take that three points. I think they win by more than a field goal. And we've got um, like I, two or three points in the last few days. That that yeah. line moved from like six or five or six all the way down to three. At Vikings minus three, I'm one hundred percent on the same side yeah. as you. Um, I, yeah, I, I think uh, I think they win that game, and uh, uh, I'll go to another home team as well, which is the Saints. Look, these are the two premier teams in football. It's not often that you find maybe the two best or the best team in each conference, both looking good, with a lot of experience under their belt, a lot of wins under their belt. Yet the Chiefs come in and the three-point favorites, their second road game in a row in NOLA. So I'll take three points in, in that ball game. Um, I think, obviously, the Saints could win outright. Um, I, I think it. I think it's going to be one of those games that's like 31-30, to 30, Gino. My own and I wanted to play. I've been wanting to play against Kansas City because they've been winning but not covering really at like a lot of this year. Um, Yeah, and and everybody plays Kansas City because they always want to. You know, they they they're always favored and everyone's playing the favorite. But this is a spot where I I would not play Kansas City. I would if I had to play a side, I would play New Orleans. The only thing that scares me is can New Orleans score enough with Taysom Hill if they got down by ten. If he's playing, if it's not Breeze, and if he's playing, and well, they hey, have to if Tua come back, did it, then uh, then Taysom could do it, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe, maybe I just I, that that's my my concern is can they keep up with this Kansas City offense? Um, I, 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 you know, they would need a type of defensive effort like we saw from Miami, where they they get a couple turnovers, force Kansas City to punt a few times. Yeah, I know exactly right. And the reason that uh, we're that we're saying Taysom is because last week I had said that Breeze was going to be back for this week. That was the information that I'd got. I think they want to. Well, he's available, but they, yeah, I don't think they're going to play him this week. Uh, I think they want to just not rush it and preserve him for the playoffs, which makes perfect sense to me. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have this week, Gito. I'll throw in one more play, by the way, which is the over and that Chiefs Saints game at fifty-one and a half. As always, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a tremendous sports weekend. We'll see you same time, same place next week.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.